Welcome to another outstanding episode of the OmniTalk Spotlight series, the series that highlights the people, the companies, and the technologies shaping the future of retail. I'm your host, Ann Mazenga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are pleased to bring you, once again, back for his third OmniTalk appearance, Mr. Jonah Ellen, the 1010 Data Chief product officer jonah welcome to the show we're so excited to have you back how's it going fantastic great to be back great to see both of you again jonah you're where are you today you're in california you had a sounds like you had a bumpy flight to get there yeah a little bit rough um (laughs) and you know turbulence don't really bug me all that much but it certainly made me put away the laptop for a little bit and uh just focus on uh trying to stay calm and uh collect it That's that's easier said than done in those situations, I feel like. Which having interviewed Jonah a few times already, I imagine staying calm and collected is not something he usually struggles with either. Right. Reading his personality. But well, Jonah, refresh for our audience a little bit uh, about you, your background and then uh, 1010 data and your role there, if you would. Sure. I started my career in technology consulting long, long ago. And then really found a home in the retail and uh, consumer packaged goods space, uh, helping retailers and brands uh, spend some time in market tracking, spend some time in consumer panels, um, went into price and promotion for a really long time. And it's an area that I'm truly passionate about. Um, Went through the loyalty and customization uh, or personalization of promotions for a bit. Um, And now I'm at 1010 Data, really looking at analytics and how can we help our customers uh, to become more efficient in that space. And tell us a little bit about 1010 Data specifically, like the work that the team there is doing. Sure. 1010 Data is a leading technology platform really focused on analytics. Okay. Uh, Provide data science, uh, data management, data analytics solutions, which empower companies to identify the insights needed in a timely manner so that they can make decisions. People will often say, wouldn't that be good information to have? And I'll always say, no, not really. (laughs) Unless you're going to make a decision that helps your customers, that drives value for the business, it's just noise and it's gonna Mm -hmm. take up time and energy. What we're really focused on is driving new decisions based on data, based on science and based on insights that you wouldn't otherwise have. It's great. And now, now for those listening, the reason we're here, and it's funny, before we got started, I was teasing Jonah too. I said, like, I can feel the passion in your voice coming out. Right. You kind of hear why and how Joseph or how Jonah talked about his career uh, around pricing and promotions. But let's get to this. So, like, there's been a lot of noise around promotions of late, particularly amid inflation, particularly in terms of how do retailers get the biggest bang for their buck out of them? How do they make sure that they're working day in and day out? So, Jonah, you put together a white paper that, that you and Tencent Data are going to be releasing pretty soon. Ann and I got a preview of it, yes. a sneak peek, so to speak. And so I want to get a little taste from you, and I want to get a little taste from you of, of your insights on this subject. So let's start with this, like really point blank, promotions. What the hell makes them so difficult? The process is just inherently flawed. And <laughs> okay. It's flawed forever. Right. And then- the more people talk about it, the less they seem to do. It's very complicated. You can walk into an organization and say, who does promotions? And about half the hands in the room will come up and then they stare at each other and wonder who really owns this process. And it's a process that stems, you know, across both the retailers as well as their supplier partners. And then within each of those organizations, there's multiple groups that are involved as well. 
it's horribly inefficient. It's poorly measured. It's poorly managed. And it's been this way for as long as I can remember. There are some companies that have made strides here, but they're few and far between. Um, it's almost the definition of insanity. I'm going to do the same thing I did last year. I'm going to do it the same way. And for whatever reason, I think it's going to be better. And right. uh, in today's world where you have technology, where you have data, where you have workflows, where you have collaboration, it boggles the mind that we haven't solved this problem yet. But most retailers, most suppliers are still doing things the same way they did five, 10 years ago. Jordan, I'm curious, like you brought up last year, because I, I 100% agree with you having been involved in this process very, very often at Target. Like you brought up last year as a flaw. What is it about the fixation on last year across the retail industry that inherently breeds problems? Like, I'd love for you to talk more about that. Yeah, it's a great question. If you think about the way most reporting is done, it's versus last year, it's versus prior period. You're comparing how you did today to how you've done historically. And when most organizations are setting goals to do just a little bit better than they did last year, the natural starting point is let's start with what we did last year. The problem is if what you did last year didn't work, if it was bad, what's two to 3% better than bad. <laughs> totally. That's a quarter of the show measurement. right there. It's really an insane measurement. And uh, this has been going on for ages. Um, having a proper measurement of knowing what good looks like has been elusive. There are some very simple metrics out there, such as incrementality. How much more did we sell above what we would have sold if, if we just left things alone? Hmm. But that's not really a full picture. That's not giving you the insights that you need to make good decisions. It's not really looking at whether it's right for your customers, whether it's good for your brand strategies, and whether you're really setting up a win-win scenario for the retailer and the supplier. Well, Jonah, let's go into that a little bit more. I mean, what what are you advising retailers and CPGs to do to change that? I mean, I think it's you're measured on what happened last year. And even if in some cases, like two to three percent better than last year is success for a lot of people. Like that's what their jobs are dependent on. So how do you get them to kind of change that culture, that mindset? I think there's a lot of different angles that you can approach this from. And while I'm very much a serial thinker, and I like to think of it as a step-by-step -step process, right. you can attack this problem from a lot of different angles because there's a lot of problems there. So where, do you, where to start? Where do yeah, ideally, I'd love to start with data. Okay. I always okay. want to start with data. If you think back to uh, Deming's arguments, I'm a big fan of that approach. And if you have the data, you can run analytic processes, you can use machine learning, you can do a segmented analysis of your products using data science to find things that the intuition of even your best employees, they're not going to find this. They're not going to be able to break it down. There's too much data. There's too many data points. Every product at every store, it's just too vast. So if you can bring in that history, if you can model it using some modern techniques, really understand what does good look like, which promotions are not just driving incrementality, but are inspiring the right customer actions, and further, driving category value, as well as sustainable value. That would be a great starting point. If all you did 
was run the data through and say, this is what good looks like. Anything below that line needs to change or it needs to stop. That would be a huge start. But I think a lot of organizations get hung up on the fact that they don't have all the data that they need to do that. And they just dead stop on it, leaving all the same problems because they've got one big obstacle. And you know, the next thing that I'd look at is Jonah, before you go on too, like I want to I want to ask you something too, because um in reading the white paper, there was one there was one massive aha I had around what you're talking about, which and part of what you're saying too is right. You can also use data to understand what was actually even executed on shelf, right? As well. So like not only what was the effectiveness of the incrementality, the cannibalization, but also like what promotions got executed. Yes. And that was a big aha for me because like, I was like, oh my God, yeah, you can. There's so much sales data out there that if you're smart about how you deploy it, you should be able to understand with a pretty good degree of accuracy what promotions did well and which ones didn't and why they didn't without having to put cameras in the ceiling, robots roaming the aisles, drones flying through the store, that data is all right there, right? right? It, it, that's, that's essentially what you're saying. I think that's a really important point for people to hear. Agreed. That's a great call out, Chris. You know, 1010 has been looking at store execution for a while. We've got a great product that helps you to see what's going on the shelf without actually going out to the stores. Right, And I think the point here, especially with promotions, is a lot of people are evaluating their promotion plans and they have no idea whether they actually executed the plan. So is the problem that your plan didn't engage your customers or is the problem that you didn't execute your plan? Mm -hmm. Historically, organizations have evaluated this and found that up to 20% of their stores are failing to execute the promotions. So the number one thing you could do is find where you're failing to execute and deal with it. And I don't mean a week later. I don't mean two weeks later. If you have data flowing into a system like 1010, you're able to evaluate this same day or even more rapidly than that. So if you're running a seven-day promotion, identifying that problem on day two so you can course correct, you've got five days of value that you could unleash back to your customers and put straight back into your financials. That and that... Huge. That and that is really big here. Like, I want to make sure that this is a this because this is a really big aha for me that I had never thought about prior to reading the white paper, which is is what you just said. Because, and I know this from inside sources too, that the the use cases that the robotics companies are deriving their value from is being able to check promotions and right. accuracy of promotions in aisle, and then giving the retailers that information to take action on it. And so you're saying that essentially you can do all of that without the hardware investment, and that that's pretty damn compelling. That's right. I think you need to be realistic about what you can do, but you can do far more than what most are already doing. And I think that's a big gap that we can cover in the, across the industry. When I think about what can be done, first, you can do factual checks on store execution. Mm -hmm. Is the product moving at the promoted price? Mm -hmm. Then you can identify issues. My baseline sales are 100. If I'm still coming in around 100, I know I've got a problem. Now, mm -hmm. the problem may be that I don't have a shelf tag up. No mm -hmm. one knows it's on promotion because mm -hmm. the big yellow tag isn't there. Mm -hmm. Alternately, you may not have your display. So what we can't do because we don't have the cameras, we can't tell you exactly which problem you're facing, but we can clearly tell you there's a problem. And we can tell you what the impact of that problem is so we can prioritize it 
send that message either to corporate, to district managers, mm -hmm. or directly to a handheld device if you've deployed those to your stores and task somebody on fixing those items that would be of the biggest value. Well, That's something that is sorely lacking today. If you want yeah. to know whether or not your plan's being executed, there's ways of monitoring this using data today that don't require you to massively invest in hardware or having uh, drones flying around the store. Right. That's so good. Well, I think that's the, the point there too, Jonah, that you're making too, is that you're digitizing this data. You're making it so that all of the teams at headquarters are able to see this, especially I think your point's so solid when you're doing a seven day promotion or a yeah. weekend long promotion or something like that. Like you just don't have the time to look back. And then to your earlier point, you're you're using that data for the next year to do the next promotion. And it's just, it's the cycle of in, you know, lack of clarity, I guess, between the data that's going around to all the teams um, at those headquarters. How are you at 1010 kind of trying to, I guess, evangelize that or to try to, you know, help people understand the value that there is there? Yeah. We did this in a few ways. Um, one way is with the store execution product. We're actually looking at his history and rating stores which stores are good in terms of promotional compliance, which stores have significant opportunities for improvement, and then we're quantifying it. Put a dollar number next to it. Mm -hmm. Give people that ability to see not just you've got 1,500 incidents of noncompliance, but if you could have fixed the top 20 of these, what would mm -hmm. the value of that have been for you? Right. There's always going to be compliance issues across stores. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a really challenging job. You've got a limited amount of staff running against an unlimited amount of customers, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, so there's always going to be challenges. But just walking the aisles, we know that's not effective. Having something that can highlight where there's issues, where you need to pay special attention is really the key. The other thing that I like about our approach is that by ranking stores, you give them something to shoot for. If today you're at a 89%, compliance rate, mm. maybe you set a target to be at 92%. If you want a 3% improvement, rather than uh, just telling people to magically have it happen, even though you're running the same plan as last year, give them the tools to execute the plan better than they did last year. Give them the goal of doing that. And I think you're really going to be able to move the needle on that execution component. Well, that's a big aha too. I would have loved to have that as a district manager too. Like there's the, there's the, the, Easy to understand, did my team execute the signs, but how well did they execute the signs is a whole nother question that you've got to use data like you're talking about to understand. All right, so getting back to Ann's question then about like where you would advise the CBG, CBGs and the retailers to start in improving their planning process. We just spent five really awesome minutes on the data side of it, but where else would you recommend that they focus? How else would you improve the process? Because there's got, I know for a fact, having lived this, there's got to be more to it than just getting your data layer. Yeah, it's, it's a terribly inefficient process and it goes well beyond data. Uh, some of the problems are that you're not capturing data very well. The inputs that you're getting from suppliers as you're asking for deals and offers and you're negotiating, mm. what is this going to look like? That process is often uh, being carried out in Excel with phone calls. Mm -hmm. And the teams are spending more time trying to get that Excel formatted properly to upload to some system than they are trying to figure out what is a really good promotion look like. So even if you don't have the data to start today, digitize that process. 
Mm. Create a collaborative offer bank or purchase one so that you're able to interact more efficiently. Capture the details, collaborate, be able to track that workflow. Mm -hmm. It really solves a couple of problems. One is it frees up time. Mm. You're no longer chasing emails. You're no longer chasing Excel. If you gave a category manager or a buyer more time back, they would put that time to better use. Rather than trying to get to done, they'd be trying to get to good. Mm -hmm. Additionally, you're capturing the data that's necessary for that critical data science component. So I think that's one opportunity. Mm -hmm. Another would be after you've decided that you're going to run these promotions, there's terrible inefficiency in the process of deciding what do you need from an asset perspective, from a collateral perspective to effectively market these in stores. Mm. Most companies don't have an accurate inventory of what fixtures they actually have in the store. So they may be sending directions to the store. They may be sending print materials to the store and telling them to set up display space they don't have. Right. Now the stores are having to make independent decisions. Of these two, which one is more important? Which one should I set up? Mm -hmm. And the fact that that information isn't flowing back to corporate, no one knows the problem. No one's right. fixing that problem, either for that set of promotions or the next set of promotions. And they're so using I think there's huge opportunities in there in terms of the workflow and tracking of this, but also making sure that you're only sending to stores what they can effectively use. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. You and you want to stay away from intuitive judgments wherever you can to optimize the business. That's just a general rule of business. A good axiom. All right. So, so let me let's bring it back around then, Jonah. So, you know, the data element seems like it's always the starting point, or yet better yet, it's kind of the sticking point as well. Why has that been so elusive for retailers and CPGs to get on the same page? Like, what is it now, or how is data science evolved to the point where you think we can actually make what you're talking happen? Well, I think the science has been there for quite a long time and it only keeps getting better. Uh, what 1010 has actually done is look at products from a mathematical perspective and segment them so that you can cover more of the products using your models. Okay. So historically, the science wasn't really robust enough to cover your entire category, for example which could be a big sticking point. Mm -hmm. But in terms of getting everyone on the same page, part of it is that the process hasn't been digitized. There's yeah. the art of the deal. There's the negotiation aspect of it. But additionally, there hasn't been sufficient transparency. So you, know, you say data is the problem. I'd say it's more the sticking point. Mm -hmm. And because you can't definitively say what good looks like, a retailer holds up one number, a manufacturer holds up another number, and then you have a staring contest. And it usually ends up with, well, this is what we did last year. Right. Let's start over again. And you're back into that same loop. So if you're able to start with data, start with science, drive from what does good look like? And for the things that aren't working, what can you do to improve them or just stop? Mm -hmm. There's other ways to use that money and to get an ROI on it. So I think that that's one aspect. I really would say, though, is that people have been making excuses. We don't have the data. We can't start the process, but they're not doing what's necessary to capture the data. So whether it's the input process that I mentioned earlier, or whether it's more along the lines of 
the middle of the process where you're developing all of those assets and tracking that through, there's lots of process opportunities to gain back time that can then be reinvested uh, in looking at better ways of running promotions and collaborating. And Jonah, if we if we take a step back, I mean, is promotions the biggest area of opportunity here? Like, why why are you focusing right now on applying this data to to promotions as kind of one of the first steps or first way to capture that ROI that you were talking about? Yeah. And it's a great question. I I really do think promotions is one of the biggest things. Okay, yeah, um, it is. You know, organizations have tried the price optimization route. They've squeezed a lot of value out of that. But they've also found that their ability to do things with pricing is very limited. Um, There's so many business rules that they have surrounding managing against cost, managing against margin and competing. There's not an an enormous amount of bandwidth there. Mm -hmm. Promotions are something that are optional. There's something that you do to inspire. There's something that you do to entice people. And there's something that both suppliers and retailers want to do. The real question is, how do you do it better so that you're not just recreating the same same issues year after year? Boston Consulting Group essentially said that somewhere between 20 and 50% of promotions achieve nothing. And that is a startling number, especially when you think about how much time and energy goes into planning these. You have to negotiate the offer. You have to plan which stores it's going to go to, create all of the collateral and assets You've got to distribute them. You've got to set them up. There's an incredible number of people at an enormous amount of time being wasted to run promotions that don't accomplish your objectives. So I think there's a huge opportunity here. And Jonah, I mean, of the retailers that you've worked with, I mean, I have to imagine that, you know, this is a key differentiator for them. The promotions that they're offering when you have such a price conscious consumer right now, too, especially in areas like grocery this has to be an area where they they can't afford to not be doing the promotions, even if they're not as successful. Is that what you're seeing with some of the retail clients? Like, are they still having to focus on this? Yeah. Everyone's spending an enormous amount of time on it. Some of yeah. them are spending that time wisely and getting payback. And a lot of them are just spending the time. Right. Um, you know, doing this well can really inspire your customers. Doing this efficiently freeze up time to really determine where are you hitting, where are you missing, how do you continuously improve? And additionally, it frees up opportunities to collaborate with the manufacturers on more directly influencing customers. Trying to do everything with bulk promotions, trying to be everything for everyone is impossible. Mm -hmm. There's an aspect of personalization that can round out your promotions. But if you think about that, a lot of those processes, while they can be automated in terms of targeting, they still have to negotiate what's going to be available, who you're going to make it available to. You still need to build all the assets, albeit digitized, so you're not wasting money sending things to stores. But on the other hand, you've got to send meaningful things to people the way in which they want to see them to really gather that engagement. And as companies are building out that personalization, that loyalty program, which I think is an outstanding idea, they need to find the time to drive that, or they need to significantly increase their cost base, hiring more and more people to facilitate that inefficient process. 
So I think if you fi finish the work to make that process more efficient, capturing the offers, whether bulk, whether personalized, and then you streamline the process whereby you're creating the various assets, digital or for in-store, there's a lot of potential there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Like I, I'm listening to this conversation. I'm just like dumbstruck. And like your question's great because we've talked on the show before about how I've said this, I've used this anecdote a lot. When I was running stores at Target, yeah. I would go into my stores and say, the number one most important job that you have today is making sure that that sign on that product is right. Because if you put that sign on that product in the right way, sales are going to go up at least 15 to 20%. And sometimes as much as two to six times just from that one action. So if I step back, like you're saying, and you say, well, if that's the case in the store, if I really think that's the most important thing that that store employee is doing, that's the most important thing that everyone in the organization is doing. Mm -hmm. So that tells you why this is such an important thing, which I have never thought about before. Yeah. Like in that context, like bring it up from the store all the way through the organization and to your partners, mm -hmm. the brands and manufacturers here as well. Right. So, so Jonah, like, so with that said, <laughs> so, which is a big, big matzo ball, uh, let's get you out of here on this. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to all the retailers and CPG executives listening to this podcast right now that they could take back and apply immediately to their promotional processes to improve the situation, what would it be? Point blank. Sum it up for us. Great question. Um, every organization is different. And what I would say is stop ignoring the problems in your promotion process. If you have the data, it's a great starting point. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the data, focus on the process, focus on digitization in order to both capture the data, but also become more efficient, free up the time so that people can focus on what does good look like, as opposed to we've got a deadline on Thursday, let's get this done. Mm -hmm. If you need a burning platform, if you need the inspiration, walk into your boss's office and ask them, I've got a plan. I'm going to fail seven out of 10 times. Does that sound good? And that's what a lot of people are doing with promotions. They're failing miserably. They're failing repeatedly, and they're not doing anything about it. The opportunity here is huge. There's billions of dollars being wasted because you're not executing your plan. There's billions being wasted because you're not planning effectively using the right inputs. Now's the time. So if you can't start with data, start with the process, start by capturing more of the things that you need to continuously improve. It's going to be a journey, but if you don't start, you'll never get there. Yeah. And it just becomes so important too. like, I even think like you mentioned, Chris, about the brands and just your partnerships with those CPGs and how they to further personalize, which is the future. Like right. that's where everything is going outside of all of these, like all the industries are, are personalizing. It's so funny you said that. I was just literally typing a note for myself yeah. on my computer from this conversation. Be like the now next future of digitizing the store. Yes. How do you think about, this is where my head's going. Like, how do you think about data within that understanding and the deployment of all the different technologies? So there's like something percolating in that idea for me. Yes. Right here during this podcast. So it's, it's just yes. great. Jonah, that was awesome. I love this podcast. If people want to get in touch with you, learn more about 1010 Data, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. 
Uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Always happy to connect and to hear from people directly, especially those who've uh, seen the podcast. Additionally, you can email me at jonah.ellen at 1010data.com or you can email 1010 directly at info at 1010data.com. But would love to hear from you, get your feedback and uh, see where we might be able to help you to get started on this journey. All right. Well, that wraps us up. Thanks to 1010 Data's Jonah Ellen for sitting down with us today. And as always, on behalf of Jonah and and myself, to everyone listening, thanks for listening and be careful out there.